Welcome, welcome again this morning. I know it's getting getting a little nippy outside, uh, but vive le Quebec, right? I mean, we're here. So, and I've, I have found that we who live in this province, we are we are thick-skinned. Yes, we are tough. We can we can handle the four seasons. I mean, even the people watching on Facebook. I mean, they know they're they're at home in the comfort of their homes, perhaps you know, but. Quebecers are tough, and uh, I have I have some relatives in in the state of Florida actually, and they wonder how do you guys do it? How do you live in that place with the igloos and the Eskimos and the moose? You know, have you heard that before? Yeah. So anyway, it's great to be with you, and um, we're continuing a series that we started last week called Gifted, and uh, if you learn one thing from this this series, just one. Learn that God is a gift giver. And God gives gifts to his people with immense generosity. And he lavishes his gifts upon us. I'm not talking about money necessarily or physical things. I'm talking about the gifts that he gives to each one of us in order to accomplish something in life that is meaningful and ultimately to worship him and make an impact in this world. He lavishes his gifts on people. And I have found that people of faith, people who call themselves followers of Jesus, regardless of where they're at on their journey, they may be at the very, very beginning and say, well, I'm not even sure what I believe, but if you ask me if I believe in Jesus, I, I, I will say yes to that question. What does that imply? I'm not entirely sure yet, but even people who are at the very beginning, very early journey with God, God lavishes gifts on people. Um, I have found that the problem is that we often keep them in the wrapper and we often do not use them. But that is not God's issue, that's more our issue. Uh, and that's kind of why I'm doing this, this series, to help you see these things and start to unwrap the bow on the gifts that God has given you so I don't pretend like I know what I'm doing on the soundboard. <laughs> and somebody does, and they say, oh no, this button should be pressed, and this button should be pressed, and so on. So last week, we started uh, with the section of Scripture in the Bible's New Testament, Romans chapter 12. And verses 1 to 8, and we, we gave it a little convenient title. It's not in the Bible, but I, I call these ministry gifts. And they're gifts that you use to serve one another. That's what the word ministry means. And we saw last week that these things are distributed according to the grace of God. They are gifts. And uh, that's, that's what the word grace means. So by his grace, he gifts us, and he gifts us, and he gifts us. It is not of our own selves. Our own salvation is not of ourselves. And the gifts of God are freely distributed as people submit their lives to him. We talked about how you should know what your gifts are. Many people do not. And nowadays we have all these kinds of surveys and all these questionnaires and all these personality 
profiles that we can take so that we can try to identify what our ministry gifts are. And I've always found it fascinating that you find this nowhere in the Bible. There's no tests for you to take. There's no personality profiles. It seems to me that according to the scripture, you should know what they are. It seems assumed by the writers that it should be fairly obvious those personality profiles and gifts surveys and all those things that you can find on the internet, they're all great. And all the books that are read, they're all great. I've read them. I've done umpteen surveys to discover my spiritual gifts. You know what I find? What I suspected all along. And that's what you'll probably find when you do those. So I gave you last week four ways, four really simple ways for you to actually know what your gifts are. Number one, get involved. And do something, do something in your local church that is here, do something in your community, do something in your neighborhood, do something in your kids' school, do something outside of the regular day-to-day -day stuff that you do in a way to try and serve other people, get involved. You'll never know what your gifts are until you start doing something. Uh, you will enjoy using God's gifts. If it's, if it's something that, if it's a gift that God has given to you, like for example, the gift of encouragement, you will enjoy encouraging people. You won't say, oh yeah, God's gifted me and I just hate using God's gift. <laughs> no, you will enjoy using God's gift. You will have a sense of uh, passion using God's gifts. Others are going to benefit when you use God's gifts, not just you. And you will sense the presence of God even as you are using your gifts. Did any of you uh, do what I told you to do for homework? Do you remember what it was? Oh, man. I'm, all, I'm convinced that most people don't listen to my preaching. I'm convinced. Did any of you do your homework? I told you to do something for homework last week. Hey, I'll, re I'll give you a hint. We're in a movie theater. Ah, I told you to watch a movie. What movie did I tell you to watch? Did any of you watch it? Oh, did you like it? Yes, it's, a, it's an outstanding movie, and it really is about the gifts of God. And you see this Olympic runner from the 1920s and how he put his missionary uh, role aside for a time. He was a missionary in China so that he could run. And he ran in the 1924 Olympics and uh, famously declined to run the 100-meter dash, his best event, because it was on a Sunday. And he famously did that. And instead, he ran in a weaker event for him, the 400-meter dash, and he won. He won gold in 1924. And there's this famous line where he says to, to another character in the film, when I run, I feel God's passion. I feel his pleasure. When you use your gifts, you will sense that. You will feel that. I, I got a text message from one of our musicians uh, this week, and he was just, he, he heard the message last week, and he said, you know, one thing that, that, or a few things that have happened to me since I've started to play in your band and, and in the church is that I've actually benefited in becoming a better musician, but I have grown spiritually as a result, I've grown as a person, I've grown as a musician, and I've spiritually grown as a result. That's the, that's the whole thing. That's, that's what happens when you start to use your gifts, all right? We saw that the ministry gifts are diverse, and you will see that again today, and we tried to define them quickly. 
uh, prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy, all right? Um, and again, you can listen to the message last week if you like. We'll, I'll have it posted on our website probably today, but it's already on Facebook. You can always re-watch re our stuff on Facebook um, and catch up and, and all of that. But I want to talk to you today about another series of gifts that's listed in the Bible's New Testament. And this list is controversial, and it's always interesting for people. It always tickles people's ears, uh, this section of Scripture, and it's very controversial because different Different Christian denominations see this passage differently, and uh, I want you to look at it in a very, very practical way today, and I will call this list the manifestational gifts, all right? And you find this in Paul's letter to the uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 1 to 31 is where you'll see this big chunk, and it even continues actually into chapter 12 and uh, chapter 13 and chapter 14. But we'll focus most of our time on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, if you're new to, to the Bible and so on, uh, you can now get the Bible for free. Uh, there's a, a marvelous application that you can get called, um, it's so good I forgot the name. What's it called? Some of you who use it. U version, yeah, Y-O-U version. So any version of the Bible you want, virtually any language, really cool features and all kinds of video features that they have in there now. So you can download that app if you're, or if you're the old-fashioned kind of person like me, you know I have a Bible with a table of contents. So you go to your table of contents. Remember what that is in grade school? And you the one Corinthians, and there you are, presto, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, all right? So I'm in chapter 12, verses 1 to 31. Just read a little bit with me here. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, I do not want you to not know this. I want you to know this. Now, this is a whole section. This is a letter. So in context, he's addressing all these issues, all these problems with the church in Corinth, and they had a lot of problems. Chapter 11, the previous chapter, he is chastising this church because of the factions, because of the individualism in the church, um, and, and he, he really is quite strong in, in his criticisms of them, and, and he's, he's trying to teach them what proper worship is and so on. And then he moves into this whole thing about spiritual gifts. And he says to these people, and these are people who come from largely a totally non-Hebrew, non-Christian background. They, 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 he uses the word pagan, okay? That means they're a totally different religious view. Maybe they worship many gods, but certainly not the God of the Bible. Now about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, Again, there's that word. Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols, a statue that they would, that they would uh, use to symbolize some other god, and they would bow down, worship this statue, and so on. This is the image he has in his head. You were led astray to those mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God, note that word spirit, says Jesus be cursed. Uh, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. His 
point there being that acknowledging that Jesus Christ is God is a very, very significant thing, and ultimately that is that is revealed by the Holy Spirit himself. Remember when, when Jesus said to, to the people, who do you say I am? And said to Peter, who do, you, who do you think I am? Who does everything? And Peter said what? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Simon, but my Father who is in heaven. It is ultimately the Spirit of God that convinces a person that Jesus Christ is God, apart from all the intellectual evidence, apart from his resurrection from the dead, it is ultimately the Holy Spirit who does the convincing. And this is what he's saying. The person who rejects the deity of Christ is not speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. They may be speaking by another one, but certainly not the Holy Spirit. And then he gets into this gifts thing. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Note that word. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So he's talking about diversity of these gifts. You can expect to see all kinds of them, but they are coming from one source, and that source is God himself, not some idol over in the back room of the house. This is what he's trying to teach these people because they come out of that background. Now, to each one, the manifestation, that's why I call these manifestational gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit, you see the word again, is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. There it is again. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. Ooh, and our ears get all tickled. Miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. Woo. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. We'll stop there. The, the first thing to understand about this list of gifts. Th this is a different way of describing spiritual gifts for Paul. When he was in the book of Romans last week in his letter to the Roman church, he never uses this term spirit. He talks about the grace of God. He talks about how a person surrenders to the grace of God, the mercy of God, and then they start to see these gifts develop in their life. Here he's got a different thing in mind, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about something that is entirely supernatural. So that's why these gifts have this kind of flair to them, things like miraculous powers and healings and all of this. This is not natural. So he is thinking in terms of the spiritual world. He is thinking in terms of the supernatural. And he emphasizes it over and over and over again by the Spirit, through the Spirit, by the Spirit, 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 over and over and over again so that people get the point this is a manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit and not you. 
So it's not your fancy personality. It's not your wiring. It's not your charisma. Sometimes we use that word in church circles and we say charisma. I'm charismatic, okay? Uh, charismatic means, simply means gifts. Charisma is the, comes from the word, or translates into the word gift, all right? It doesn't mean you have a nice personality, okay? So these, these are, are distinctly supernatural. They are, they are not, oh, wow, you know, this person really taught a good message. Well, no, this is, this is entirely different. This is speaking of a supernatural manifestation of the very real spirit of God through a person. A person may be used in these kinds of gifts multiple times in their life, or maybe even once, or maybe not even once at all in, in all of them, but maybe at least one. So I've been used in, oh, maybe three of these, four of these, okay? But it's not something that I can kind of conjure up, right? If I could conjure up the gift of miraculous powers, well, everybody line up here and I'll just do miraculous powers on you. You know, if I could conjure up the gifts of healings, then I would go and close all the hospitals, right? I mean, hospitals have a lot of people in them, yes? So these are not things that you conjure up. These are things... These are manifestations of the pure, raw power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they occur totally unexpected, sometimes unexpected, uh, 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 often expected, however. uh, And you'll see that in a few moments. But I just want you to get it in your brain. We're talking about something that is supernatural here. This is not natural. And there's some people who say, ah, that's hodgepodge. These things don't exist today. These kinds of things don't exist that's one way of looking at it. I do not look at it that way. I believe that these gifts are real. I've experienced some of them. Some of you have experienced some of them. I believe that they're real. I don't believe that they're dead. And I believe that they're necessary today. Okay, so, but just get it in your head first and foremost. These are supernatural things. They are not natural, all right? This is the way the the author intends it. So let me give you a list of them. We'll try and define them quickly because there's more important stuff in the chapter than just this list of gifts. So he says, to one, the message of wisdom and to another, the message of knowledge. We'll stop there with those two. So it's one thing to have wisdom. I mean, people can be wise. You've probably met some wise people in your life. Maybe some of you, you, you're, you're just a wise person. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a wisdom, a message in particular, which is something you communicate, a message that is communicated and it shows a wisdom that is beyond a person's natural ability. So it is, it is from the Holy Spirit. And it is a particular message a, uh, to take a course of action based on knowledge that the person could never have known before. And there's a course of action taken or there's a decision that needs to be made or the person seeing something that nobody else sees and everybody looks around and say, how in the world can that be correct? How in the world can that person know that information? It's impossible. That's a word of wisdom. That's a message of wisdom. And it happens very rarely, but it does indeed happen. You see it in the book of Acts, in the Bible's New Testament, in a few places. I'm thinking of um, one story of a prophet, and I'll show you that gift in a minute. But the prophet, he takes, he takes Paul's belt 
um, and, he, and he, he ties Paul up in a certain way, and he says to Paul, the owner of this belt is going to be in prison and is going to be tied up this way, and he's, he's doing a bit of uh, a predictive prophecy there, but he's also, he's also using a message of wisdom there because Paul takes that and he says, yep, that's what's going to happen to me when I go to Jerusalem, and I'm still going. And the prophet does not stop him, but the prophet can see what's going to happen. He sees it supernaturally. It's not of his own brain. It's not of his own head. It's not of his own talent. And he does not stop Paul from going. Very, very wise. Certainly wise beyond any natural means. So get it in your head. Again, this is supernatural stuff. Maybe some of you have trouble with that. You say, oh man, I don't know. It sounds a little crazy. Sounds a little, little weird. Listen, God is not natural, okay? He is supernatural. He can do anything he wants. He can operate through nature. He can operate above nature. He can operate under nature. He can do anything he wants. So this is a reflection of that message of knowledge. That's when someone knows something that it's impossible for them to have known otherwise. Uh, and that happens. Book of Acts, another example. You have at the beginning, the formation of the early church there, you have some people and they actually have the gift of giving. We talked about that gift last week and there you see examples. There's one couple in particular or one person in particular and he sells all of his his real estate and he gives all the money to, to the apostles and that's, a, that's generosity, that's a gift of giving. But then there's another couple who does the same thing. Do you know their names? Ah, Anna. Yeah, Ananias and Sapphira, very famous or infamous couple now. They do the same thing, but they cheat is what they do. So they bring all the money and they bring it to, to Peter at the time and say, here, 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 here's my generous giving. It's all the money. It sold all my real estate. Here, here, here's all the money. And Peter, Peter he knows uh, it's impossible for him to know, but he knows by the Spirit of God that they cheated and they held back some of the money for themselves. And he questions them on two occasions. And he says to the, to the husband, is this, is this all the money that you received? And he says, yep. And he says, you're lying. You have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. And, and the, man, the man, he drops dead is what happens. And then his wife comes, comes into the picture and the same question is asked. Is this all the money? Oh yeah, every penny. And, and Peter says, how can you agree to test the spirit of God like that? Same thing happens to her. Scary, scary moment in the early church, okay? But it's an example of a word of knowledge. How could Peter have had that knowledge? Impossible, impossible. He was given that knowledge by the Holy Spirit. The gift of faith. So this is not just, well, I have faith. It is a supernatural uh, manifestation of faith to believe for something that it's impossible, impossible to, I mean, and crazy and just the person's a lunatic to believe that such and such and such a thing will happen and yet it happens. And that's how you know that it's a gift of faith because it's just totally off the wall. I've seen this used at times even in the modern uh, era 
I've seen it um, in churches where people believed for ridiculous amounts of like property to build a church and so on. And they, and they said, God spoke to me. I have faith. And he said, oh yeah, where are you going to come up with $10 million? And somebody from nowhere writes a check for $10 million. How many of you would like that in this church? Oh, good. There's a, you write a check. We take checks. Yeah. So anyway, that, but that's a gift of faith, you see. And that's beyond the norm. That's way, way, way beyond the norm, believing for something that, forget it. And the person's not crackers because it actually comes to be. It's a gift of faith, it's, but it's because of the Holy Spirit's work in their life. Gifts of healing, and we love this one. And uh, the problem with this one is people think that they're possessors of the gift. And they think that um, it's something that they conjure up and people in the church start worshiping the person and they say, go to this person, they have the gift of healing, go to that person, they have the gift of healing. And of course, they're not the owner of the gift. God uses them in the gift and he uses them occasionally in the gift. And yet people start worshiping the person instead of the God who is using the person. Gifts of healing, very simple. Uh, there are times in life where God uses a person to, to pray for somebody else or sometimes not even pray, sometimes to talk to them, sometimes put their hands on them. I mean, we see it in the pages of the New Testament. Peter walked by people and his shadow crossed over people and they were healed. He didn't even talk to them. He just walked by them and his shadow crossed over them. You say, that's so weird. I'm just telling you, that's in the book of Acts. You see that. And I have seen real healings in my ministry over the last 20, and even as a layman, 20 plus years. I've seen them. I've seen real ones, but I see real ones rarely. I see a lot of mumbo jumbo. I see a lot of people making things up. I see a lot of drama. I see a lot of emotion. But real ones, when there's a real one that takes place, let me tell you, everyone takes notice. And people see and people know. And there's a sense of awe that God has used somebody to pray for somebody, maybe to put their hands on somebody, maybe just to walk by somebody, maybe to say something. And the person is divinely healed. Yes, it does happen today. No, it does not happen all the time in every circumstance. I wish it did. It does not. It happens as God wants it to happen. And as we, of course, seek those gifts, uh, but the gift is real and the gift does happen today. All right. I would challenge people who say that those gifts are dead. I do not believe that. I think that they are alive and well today. Miraculous powers. Okay. You say, whoa, what's that? I mean, does that mean you can like a person who has miraculous powers will walk on water or something? Uh, well, I'm not sure, uh, but it's not healings. It's something different than healing. So let me give you an example. Again, book of Acts. Uh, do you remember the story when Paul is on the island of Malta, I think it is, toward the end of the book of Acts? He's on his way to Rome to face a prison sentence there, uh, but he's on the island of Malta. There's all these people believing in all these crazy religions on that island, and a, and a snake comes up and bites his hand. Do you remember that story? You ever read that? And they're all looking at him, and they say, he's going <laughs> to, we know that snake, and he's going to, it's over. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they say, uh, how come he's still alive? Because when that snake bites, it's, it's over. 
And they look and they say, it's impossible. How can this man have lived? Well, that's miraculous powers, you see. And that's just a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the apostle's life at that particular time. So it's something miraculous. It's not necessarily a healing prophecy. Here, he'd be talking about predictive prophecy. Like I mentioned, the prophet Agabus, who saw into the future and saw that Paul would be, would be imprisoned uh, if he went to Jerusalem or he'd be persecuted in Jerusalem. And so he, he, he ties him up with this belt and he says, this is what's going to happen if you go to Jerusalem. And Paul says, I'm going anyway. That's predictive prophecy. We're, we're told in the book of Acts that Agabus also predicted a famine. That's predictive prophecy, all right? The way prophecies referred to last week in Romans 12 is more the proclamation of the word of God here it's predictive because it's supernatural does that happen today yes it does but it is not Christian crystal ball reading okay I have seen Christians try and mimic this gift and it's almost like a crystal ball reader you know they got a lineup of people and the people walk in front of them and they lay their hands on them and they say you'll meet a handsome man you'll meet a beautiful woman you'll be rich you'll be prosperous blah 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 that's that's Christian crystal ball reading okay that's not the same as the gift of prophecy that's listed here when it happens you know that it's the real thing because what the prophet said would happen actually comes true and nobody can deny it the skeptic can't deny it the believer can't deny it does it happen today yes it does does it happen all the time no not all the time but it does happen discernment of spirits this is an interesting one always it gets our ears a little bit tickled uh, this has to do with a person who can discern for a moment between the spirit of God and the spirit of not God. And uh, the, the, Bible, the Bible portrays a very real world of, of evil as well as a world of good. It, it depicts a, a supernatural being with many different names and titles and so forth. And you see this all throughout the scripture. The Bible teaches very clearly that there's a real devil and that there's really a such thing as angels and demons and all this stuff. Don't get too creeped out. I know we're moving to Halloween. But the person, the person who God uses to distinguish Wait a second, wait a second. This here, what this person is saying, that there is not of God. It may all it may sound all pretty. It may look good. It may, but there's something off there. There's something that's even diabolical there. There's something not right. And they can they can smell it even for a moment and they can detect that there's something there that's off. And uh, this gift, when it's, when it's used properly, and you see that in action, you know, you may see a person, very magnetic personality, and crowds of people flock to this person, and they, they may even teach about God. And somebody says, no, there's something off. I smell something. I detect something off about that person. And then you see three weeks later, the person's in prison. They were corrupt. They did this. They did that. They were a fake that's, be, that's the discernment of spirits, you see, and sometimes people are used in that. I've experienced that one time uh, where, 
yeah, one time I would say at least where, where a person was brought into a church meeting and this person was inebriated beyond description. I mean, the odor was there, everything was there. And I went to pray for this individual and I could detect just for that moment that there was something that was not right. There was something, there was a presence of evil in that person. And sure enough, the person actually... I mean, it's not like the movies, it's quite different from the movies, but there was a real manifestation of a real live evil spirit there, okay? And I'm a, by nature a skeptic, and so I called over other people in the church and I said, would you look at this and tell me what this is? And their eyes got all big like this, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. And I just did what I saw in the Bible and what I saw in the book of Acts. And the reaction was very, very similar to what I saw in the Bible in the book of Acts. And afterwards, I couldn't believe it. I said, my goodness, that's a discernment of spirits. Would you, would you? That's so weird, you know? Like, but the gift is real and, and the gift does happen. Does it happen all the time? Does it happen at your beck and call? Can you conjure it up? No, but God uses people at different times uh, for different purposes that are ultimately his own. Tongues and the interpretation of tongues. This one, again, gets people all, all interested, especially when you use the word Pentecostal, right? We're part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. What's this tongues thing? Are you all nuts? Okay, that's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is somebody in a public meeting, perhaps in a worship meeting or a prayer meeting or something where there's people gathered, somebody is used by God to speak in a language that they do not know. And that, that, that language is spoken publicly and somebody else in the audience knows exactly what that person said. And people are shocked because they say that's impossible. That person could not have known that language. And how could this person have translated it? That is impossible. Uh, I remember reading a, a story about this. Took place um, took place in Canada, in uh, actually in Calgary, at the at the the growth of the charismatic movement in the 60s and the 70s. There's a Presbyterian minister who wrote a book about it called The Holy Spirit and You, and he tells a story Presbyterian. And uh, he went into a little Anglican church, I think it was, and talked about the gifts of the Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit today and so on. And people were skeptical, skeptical. And they said, well, they said, well, uh, what about this baptism in the Holy Spirit thing and this evidence of speaking in tongues thing? Can you, can you do that? Can you pray that way now? And he said, well, I'm not going to do it now. But at the end of the meeting, I will pray and I will just allow the Spirit to pray through me. And, and so he did that. And when he did, in his own words, he says, "My uh, something else came out. I was just trusting God for the words and something else came out. And uh, then he finished the meeting, and as he was finishing, uh, a lady in the back row of the church that he never knew before, never met in his life before, she, she put her hand up in the air and she said, that's impossible. Surely you must know the language that you just spoke. That's impossible. She said, no, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, well, let me tell you what you were talking about. You were speaking the language of the Nepalese people. And I know that because my brother is, is in Nepal. He is a Jesuit minister. He's in Nepal, and he just sent me an audio cassette of a passage of scripture from the, from the New Testament, from the book of Philippians, in the Nepalese language, and you just recited it word for word. That's impossible. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> and so that's what I'm talking about. These are supernatural manifestations of the very real person of the Holy Spirit in the, in the world today. Really amazing stuff. But I'll tell you what's more important. Because the Apostle Paul, curiously enough, he does not elaborate on all these things. He does not spend all the time that I just spent trying to explain what they are. He, he just lists them. Again, as if we should know what they are. Do you know what he spends his time on in the chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? He spends a lot more time trying to teach these people in this church. People who've come out of this different religious view background, pagan background. He's trying to teach them about character and how the character that they have as God uses them in these gifts is even more important than the gifts themselves. And that is what we miss today because we, we're, we today, we're, we, this is what we say in churches. How come there aren't these things that are happening today? How come we don't see more of this? How come we don't see more healings? How come we don't see the things in the book of Acts? I have heard that so many times. And people ask that question so many times. It's not the right question. The right question to ask is, what can I do in my character to make me more of a vessel for God to use in these gifts? What do I need to change in myself so that God can use me in these gifts more than I've ever experienced? How do I need to submit myself to Him so that my character is, a, is, is, is not in the way of the functioning of these gifts? Even as we seek these spiritual gifts, our character is more important. And this is what the Apostle Paul spends his time on, and we'll just uh, look at a couple of things here as, as we finish in a few minutes. There are two toxins that he identifies in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, after he briefly lists the gifts, two toxins that he puts out there that will impede the use of these gifts. People complain, how come we don't see them? Oftentimes, we are the ones who stop them from happening. Either we just flat out don't seek God, and, you know, people who they call, we, we call ourselves Christians, we never pray. <laughs> we never, we, we, you know, we pray, uh, the, the, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, for 10 seconds every night. Folks, that's, that's not the kind of prayer life where you're going to see these spiritual gifts moving in your life. You, you have to seek God. You have to seek a relationship with him that's, that's authentic and genuine and passionate and where you actually learn to discipline yourself to, to connect with him. And then you start to see these things moving in your life perhaps a little bit more often. We do have to seek God. It's true. But our character can be in the way. And there are two toxins that he identifies. The first one is, I think, the most common, perhaps, um, and it's, it's the comparison uh, game. And Paul, what he does is he's going he's gonna to teach these people with a little illustration that everybody can understand. And he's going to say, he basically says to them, look at your body. Look at your physical body. And so he, he says, you know, you, you, you've got one body and it's many, many different parts, right? Uh, there's a man in this room who's a body builder. And so he knows how to build up strategically different 
different parts of the body, understands muscle, understands how the body works and the mechanics of the body, okay? And so Paul says, look at your body. Your body's all different parts, right? You've got, and he starts talking. He says, you've got, a, you've got a, an eye, and you've got an ear, and you've got a hand, and you've got a foot, you know? And he, he said, you've got a nose. And he says, you, do you understand? And everybody, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand that. And he says, well, the gifts are the same. God gives different gifts. He gives a diversity of gifts. And you are not to compare yourself and your gift to somebody else. Well, you know, this one was used in the gift of prophecy. Oh, I, you know, what, what gift am I being used in? Nothing, you know, and, and this is what Paul says, and he illustrates it, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, because I am not a hand, so if the foot were to talk, and the foot would say, because I am not a hand, you know, I'm just this ugly foot, you know, with these kind of yucky toenails, you know, but because I'm not a hand, he says, if, a, if the foot asked the hand that question, would it cease to become a part of the body? Obviously not. It's still a foot and it still has to do the work of being a foot. And he says this, what he's doing is he's saying this line of comparison, comparing your gift to somebody else, this is a toxin. This is going to impede the use of the gift. And he says, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I mean, I'm just this ear with wax in it. Look at that pretty eye. I mean, look at this beautiful color and so on. Because I'm not an eye, he says, well, would it cease to be part of the body? Of course not. If you didn't have an ear, where would your hearing be? Right? And what he's saying is, as God uses you, as God distributes his gifts in your life, be content with that. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Don't, don't be jealous of somebody else's gift. Because I don't have so-and-so, I don't belong. That's a toxin. Be content with how God is using you. He doesn't make cookie-cutter people. His gifts are not cookie-cutter gifts. He's got a wide diversity. Be content in your own skin. Be content in how God uses you. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. It's a toxin. You will impede his work in your life by comparison. Number two, and I've seen this one as well, this is the toxin of arrogance. And Paul goes through this and he says, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Why? Because I'm so terrific. And sometimes I see that in, in the lives of Christian folks, and it's kind of a rock star mentality, you know? No such thing, okay? In the body of Christ, you're, you're serving. It's not, there's no rock star diva mentality. It's the opposite. It's what can I do to serve somebody else? How can I look after the needs of somebody else before I look after the needs of, my, of me? It's a service mentality. When we have the comparison toxin, it blocks the work of the Spirit in our lives. When we have the arrogance toxin, it blocks the work of the Spirit in our life. 
God may use us anyway, but that's in spite of ourselves. And it's tragic when that happens. It can lead to schism in a church. It can lead to a faction in a church. It can lead to a group of people who, who feel a sense of power in a church. And all of, all of it starts with these two kinds of toxins, comparison and arrogance. I tell you people, every single one of you in this room, regardless of where you are in your walk with God, God wants to use each and every one of you, young or old, children, male, female, doesn't matter what your job is, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter what your background is, he wants to use each and every single one of you in these gifts even. Even in these supernatural gifts, he wants to use you. He may not use you in all of them. He may use you once or twice in your life in some of them, but he wants to use you. He does. If you will seek him and you will call out to him and you will submit yourself to him and you will try and deal with these toxins, especially people who are, you know, churched people. I'm telling you, if there was ever a time in history that God wants to use people in these gifts, it's now, especially here in this province of Quebec. When these gifts are used, let me tell you, it gets people's attention. When they're using it and it's real, and it's authentic, and nobody can deny it. Let me tell you, it gets people's attention. They scratch their head and say, wow, it makes it look like your God is real. Yes, it does. And that's why God wants to use them. What will you do about that? Uh, will, will, you, will you say, well, no, I, I, I'm just nobody. I, God can't use me. I mean, he's not going to use me to pray for somebody to see somebody healed. Oh, yes, he can. And sometimes it's the, it's the people who think the lowest are the people that God uses. If the musicians would come and uh, begin to play softly in the background, just pick one of the smaller, uh, slower songs, guys, and don't forget to put the, uh, the yeah, thank you. And um, let, me, let me finish by telling you a little story. I remember a, a fire, a on-fire preacher um, from about 15, 20 years ago. And his name is uh, David Forrest. I still remember his name. And he was a prince of preachers, a magnificent preacher. And I will never forget uh, the story that he told about his wife, who uh, is, is still alive and well. And I think they're in the state of Florida, the Forrests. Uh, used to be pastors in our, in our movement. And uh, David Forrest tells the story about his wife and how his wife became uh, deathly ill with, with cancer. And um, he tells a story of basically how he lost his faith. I mean, he was a prince of preachers, magnificent communicator of the word of God. And he talks about how he, how he just lost it and um, how his wife became sick and she got sicker and sicker and sicker and she lost all kinds of weight. She was down to 80 pounds, nothing left. People came in and prayed over her. People came in with their, their anointing oil and all of their drama and all their emotion and prayed over her and left and prayed all these long, lavish prayers and nothing happened. She got sicker and sicker and sicker. She was down to 80 pounds. He was, he was making plans to, to, to lay her to rest. And he tells the story of how this little lady came into the hospital, didn't even know her name at the time, and she came in, she was a nobody, just 
no, no superstar status, no rock star, no diva, no catchers, no nothing. And she came in there and she just said, in the name of Jesus, let this thing be gone. And she walked out of the hospital room. And he tells the story. I've never heard anything like it. Uh, probably never will again. Tells the story about how his wife went into labor at that moment and gave birth to a tumor the size of a basketball. And all, with all the doctors watching, stunned out of their mind by what they saw, and she was healed. And she walked out of the hospital room, I, I think it was the same day, if I remember the story, or very shortly after. Never had a problem after with that particular thing. You say, well, I, I've never heard a story like that. That's right, because it happens very, very rarely. But when it happens, my friends, God gets our attention. And one day she'll pass away. One day she'll leave this world. That was, that was for that moment. And I'm sure many people's lives were impacted by it. But just to tell you, God can use anybody, especially people who say, I'm, the, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. That's, that's who God really wants to 